How many others of you were singing along with me here this morning? Anybody else just wondered if you also were singing along? It is a catchy tune. We've been doing it now for for a few years and uh, should make a little bit of a difference to us in our lives and what we think. We are continuing in John chapter 12 today and... uh, so John 12, 36 is the place, is the passage that uh, we will pick up. And uh, in fact, we'll probably we'll go back and cover a few verses prior to that because uh, it seems that there might be a connection definitely um, between verses 35, 36, 37, following on down through there. So let me get us over there. And we will take a look-see here and uh, 
consider what uh, what is being said. It says uh, in verse 35, Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer while you uh, walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. Is that not... Uh, is that not uh, something that uh, impacts us? Uh, walking in the dark. You ever stub your toe in the dark? You ever go walking through that that dark room and uh, stub your toe? I have done that. Even when you know something is there, even when you know that the uh, the foot of the bed is there, even when you know that uh, a cedar chest is there, uh, still sometimes we'll bump our toe into something in the darkness. What if you get all spun around in the darkness? It's totally dark. You get all spun around uh, and you don't really know where you're going. Um, yeah, whoever walks in the dark does not know where they're going. You will have light just a little while longer. What's he referencing there in verse 35 is it would just be a little while longer that he would be with them and... Uh, then he would not be walking this earth with them anymore because he will die, be buried, aha, uh -huh, then be resurrected, then walk the earth a little bit longer, but then be taken. He would ascend into heaven. And uh, in that way, they would not have the light of Jesus' presence with them any longer. So he says, walk while you have the light before the darkness uh, overtakes you. Um, we don't want the darkness to overtake us. We want the light. We want to continue the light. How do we continue in the light? We continue the light by continuing in the word. How do we continue the light? We continue in the light by continuing to walk with Jesus. That is, that is how we continue in the light. And then verse 36 he continues the theme, and uh, modern uh, translators uh, and interpreters have uh, placed this heading, the unbelief of the people, uh, between verse 35 and 36, even though it seems like there should be a connection there just based on what's being said. Verse 36, believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. When he'd finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. No, he wasn't playing hide and seek. No, he wasn't saying, count to ten and I'll go hide. He wasn't doing that type of thing, not at all. He was hiding himself because he knew that at the end of the week. Now, remember, this is the beginning of the what we would call Holy Week. It's going to take us probably up until... Um, almost Easter to work our way through this. In fact, I may have to find a few uh, detours to take along the way to uh, uh, so that we can actually hit the text of Scripture and the Easter theme at about Easter. Uh, but he is saying, I, I, I'll be leaving you soon. Uh, believe in the light so that you may become children of light. The question is, are you a child of the light? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Are you seeking to walk in the light of Christ daily? It isn't enough, I don't think, to 
just have some believing experience at some point along the way, we are encouraged to continue to walk in the light every day. Not to walk in the darkness, but to walk in the light, the light that is Christ. Are you a child of the light? If you're a child of light, say, I am a child of the light. And say, today I will live as light in and for the Lord. Remember that little song, that little child's ditty, this little light of mine. I'm going to hide it under the bed. Is that it? No, this is the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And so we let the light of Jesus that is in us shine. Continues on, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in the presence, they still would not believe in him. What would it take? What was he going to have to do in order to help these people believe? I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to step away from the microphone for just a moment. So I'm back. It says, after Jesus had performed, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe. What about modern day? What would it take for people to believe in our day? Um, I mean, Jesus already did all these miracles. There is so much written about Jesus. There, There is all of the evidence, there's all the history, there are the billions of people who have believed, and yet some people would say, I'm not going to believe. I don't have enough proof. I don't have enough evidence. How much evidence does one need? Verse 37 says, even after he performs so many miracles in their presence, or so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe. And goes on in the text and says, This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And this, this can be a question in our day. Uh, who has believed our message? In a post-Christian culture, what does that mean to the ministry of the local church? Uh, what does that mean to us? Uh, there, there was a day, those who are older Christians here, been a Christian a long time, 30, 40, 50 years, you can probably remember days when Christianity was much friendlier, I mean, when, when culture was much friendlier to Christianity. Uh, and it's become less friendly, less tolerant. Now, has it really become less tolerant, or is it that there are a minority of voices that are very loud that makes it seem like culture is less tolerant? Yet, even among those that would profess to be Christians, uh, often there is a departure from the ways of Jesus. I'm a believer in Jesus, but nonetheless, I'm going to live with my girlfriend. I'm going to live with my boyfriend. I'm going to um, 
do the, I, I, it's okay for me to be a drunk. Uh, no, none of those things are okay. Uh, and yet in contemporary culture, we, we want to make the Jesus of our own liking. We want to fashion Jesus uh, in the way uh, that is comfortable to us. We don't want Jesus to make us uncomfortable. And so verse 38, where he says, uh, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Right now, that arm of the Lord is being revealed definitively in Asbury, Kentucky, no doubt about it. Oh, that we'd pray that the arm of the Lord be revealed in our local churches, that we wouldn't just do the church experience, but that we would have an encounter with God. That would be our prayer, and that the arm of the Lord would be revealed to you, to me, to us, and that that would be our heart's longing, that that would be our heart's cry, that we would look to the Lord in that way, that we would seek his face, that we would ask, that we would seek, that we would knock, and that his arm would be revealed. Verse 39 continues, says, For this reason they could not believe, because Isaiah says elsewhere, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that they can neither see with their eyes, nor heart, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Now, you say, wait a minute. Why does it say he hardened their hearts? Well, you can go back all the way to uh, Isaiah the prophet. And Isaiah the prophet uh, was, no, not Isaiah the prophet. That's not where I wanted to go. I got myself distracted all the way back to Pharaoh uh, in, in the book of Exodus. And we see how Pharaoh began to harden his heart to God. Every time Moses said, let my people go, Pharaoh would go, no way, Mo. Uh, I'm not going to let your people go. It ain't going to happen. I need these people. In fact, because you're asking me, I'm going to make it even harder on your people. So as Pharaoh hardened his heart, God said, okay, if that's the way it's going to be with you, I will make your heart even harder. And so this in verse 40 and you go, well, why would God do that? Because God is about to turn the thumbscrews down. Um, verse 40, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Um, because they wanted it on their own terms. They wanted it in their own way. They wanted it in a way that... Uh, you know, it was palatable to them. They didn't want repentance. They didn't want life change. They didn't want to accept him for, for who he said he is. They wanted to accept him for who they wanted him to be. And so their already blinded or already dimmed eyes were blinded. Their already hard hearts were hardened even harder that they would not understand. Now you say, no, wait, this is kind of confusing. He says, you know, uh, why would God not want somebody to turn that they may be healed? Perhaps because of the hardness of the heart. Perhaps because they're going to make Jesus in, in their own image. Um, it, it, this is a challenging verse in many ways to think of God hardening, hardening somebody's heart. 
But when, when someone has heard the gospel over and over and over again uh, and continue to resist it or continue to manipulate it, I think there does come a point when God says, okay, I've had enough. Um, we're not going to do this anymore. In fact, let me take you back into the book uh, of Genesis. I'm going to take you back to uh, Genesis chapter 6 and just show you a verse here. Uh, and I'm looking at it in the King James because it's the one that I remember the most. Verse 3 says, The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Now, this is the limiting time uh, of the number of man's days. Now, at this point, uh, Noah is still here. This is this is before the flood. Um And God is beginning to limit how long man will live. Until this point in time, man was living almost a thousand years. And yet, God finally says, look, I'm going to shorten his length of time on the earth, but my spirit will not always strive with man. Now, there's a lot more you can read in this chapter. You could get lost. We could get lost in this chapter and what it has to say to us. But but I, I just want us to focus on Verse 3, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Now, for me, when I was a young Christian, this this is one of the verses that was kind of driven into my being. The church that I attended in my early uh, spiritual infancy was a church that believed you could lose your salvation. And so every sermon uh, had a call to give your life to Jesus. And I don't know how many times early on until I began to understand the scriptures more fully, I, I gave my life to Jesus. But this is a verse that, that got drilled into my being. My spirit shall not always strive with man. And, and you know, it may not be loss of salvation. Uh, it may be in some other area of life where the Lord is prompting, the Lord is directing, the Lord is drawing, the Lord is correcting, the Lord is convicting uh, and we just go like this. We stop up our ears to God and don't listen. And he finally says, okay, fine. I'm not going to continue striving with you in this area. You're going to suffer your consequences. Genesis 6.3, my spirit will not always strive with man. And, and sadly for us, as we think about uh, friends or relatives who um, who have had the occasion to hear about the Lord, but continue walking down the road down which they walk. And, and I know for some of you, I know the immensity of struggle and pain that some of you have in your hearts for loved ones um, to think about God taking them and hardening their hearts even further. Or God saying, okay, I, I will stop my drawing work, not drawing like artwork, but drawing like drawing to wooing, uh, trying to to draw this person in. And God finally just says, okay, I will stop. I will not do this any longer. And and friends, I, I think of some of you so, so dearly this morning with broken heart, thinking of some of the situations that some of you have going on with some of your loved ones. And uh, and just to think that, that God would finally come to the point and go, okay, I, I'm going to stop there. I, I'm not going to keep 
doing this because I've been doing this and they continue to resist. Lord, we pray that none of our loved ones would be in the place where where you would no longer continue reaching out your hand of mercy. That they would no one would be in a place where you would stop your striving with them. But Lord, we pray rather today that you would accelerate your convicting, that you would accelerate your drawing and draw our loved ones to yourself. Sometimes it's our children. Sometimes it's our grandchildren. Sometimes it's nieces and nephews. Sometimes it's our parents. Sometimes it's our brothers and sisters. Sometimes it's a cousin or an aunt or an uncle. Sometimes uh, it's a neighbor. But Lord, we pray, would, would you strive, would you convict and draw people to a a place where they can no longer resist. May they experience what some have called the irresistible grace of God. May they have that experience wherever they are today. Draw our loved ones to you, Lord. That is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, back into John chapter 12, uh, looking at this passage a little further. Uh, in fact, I need to get back into the NIV. There we go. I uh, there. I need to be more careful with how I'm moving my mouse because I keep uh, going back to the beginning here. The unbelief of the people and praying for friends and neighbors and relatives. Verse 41 is where we left off. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. To think about being Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ was ever on the earth, but he saw the glory of Christ, and he's speaking about the glory of Christ. Oh, that we would see the glory of Christ. Oh, that we would have that encounter with him. Verse 42 says, At the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. They didn't want to be put out of the synagogue. They, they didn't. And, you know, this is where Jesus begins to speak the words. If you're unwilling to speak up for me in front of men, I'm going to be unwilling to speak up for you in front of the Father. And yet, the encouraging thing out of verse 42 is that many, even of believers, uh, even of leaders, believed in him. Uh, there were Pharisees that believed. We believe Nicodemus believed. There were perhaps other Pharisees, and other leaders that believed in Jesus, but they kept it quiet, at least for a season. But you have to wonder if when we get to Acts chapter 2, if it wasn't some of these who had pre-believed who really then made the commitment in uh, Acts 2.41 that we read about on Sunday. Same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they be put out of the synagogue, for they love human praise more than praise of God. How hard is that for you? Um, 
the idea of of the praise of of men. I mean, do you desire the praise of men more than the praise of God? Yes, that's a question. That's an honest question that I ask. Um, do we want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? Um, or do we want people to like us? And, and I'll be honest, I am a person who likes to be liked. I do. Uh, in fact, I, probably most of us like to be liked, but but there's some scale in there of some people who, who, who need to be liked more than others need to be liked. And uh, I mean, I, I, I lean toward wanting to please people. I, I do. Um, however, I hope that I lean more toward wanting to please God. And, and there's the two aren't necessarily always juxtaposed, are they? Uh, I mean, just because we're wanting to please people, does that mean that we're going to displease God? Not necessarily. But sometimes by wanting to please people, we maybe don't take a stand that we need to take or don't say something that we need to say uh, because of wanting to please people. May we be people who want to please God more than anything else. May that be absolutely true of us. I want to read this last section here to us, finish out this part of John chapter 12. He cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. Speaking of father, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. Again, speaking of father, I have come into the world as light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And the, the judgment will come later. Right now, his work is one of redemption. Right now, his work is one of salvation. Verse 48, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and who does not accept my words. The very words I've spoken will condemn them at the last day, pointing to when that judgment will take place. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. The judge. The judge looks at who? The judge looks at the one who ultimately rejects Jesus and does not accept his words. Right now, we live in a time when Jesus is still drawing people. Right now, we live in a time well, well, where Jesus is still wanting people to come to him. But there will come a day of judgment. That judgment day may come at the point of death for some, uh, or it may come at the return of Christ for others. And there's the ultimate, uh, in, in a thousand, at least a thousand seven years, the ultimate uh, final great white throne judgment that will take place. But we still live in the day where God is giving people the opportunity to repent and to believe.
And toward that end, we pray, Lord, that we would see people repent and believe. Even as we think of those suffering the heartache in places like Ukraine, Turkey, and Syria, it's our prayer that the gospel would be strong, that the ministry of the Spirit would be great, and that many would be drawn to salvation in Jesus Christ, that many would see the emptiness of their um, false religions and would would turn to the one true God, the Lord Jesus Christ and his Father in heaven. Lord, that is our prayer. Bring your comfort, but bring salvation to those who need to believe. And for us today, Lord, help us to not harden our hearts to you, but to listen to you, to see you, and to love you from our hearts out into our lives. May Jesus drip off of us today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you tomorrow.